0: Listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan,
1: and Scott.
2: Oh, yeah, you fans. Utes are going to Vegas, baby. It's done.
3: Three times in four years. Three times out of the last three I full seasons. Phone. 2020 doesn't
2: count. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't count. We're, going, this is, we're calling it a 3 <laughs> folks. Welcome into the Utah Man podcast. Obviously, we're talking Utes. Going to the Pac-12 championship game. Looking back at the Oregon game and looking ahead to Colorado I'm Cameron and we got Ryan on location Ryan how are you doing
0: What's up Ute Nation
2: Ryan's at the MGM doing a little scouting
3: for uh, for uh, the arrival of the Utes
2: and we got Scott What's up buddy I am jack Let's go Dude. Let's go Holy crap, Utah gets the win over Oregon. 38. That was to seven. more than a win. Okay, Utah gets the beatdown of Oregon. I didn't see that coming.
3: I know. No, no, I don't I don't know if anybody saw that coming. I mean, very hopeful for a win, but an absolute drubbing. I mean, that would that would that that resembled one of uh Utah uh, Mountain West Conference days, where you just beat down on um, a a very bad football team.
2: The crazy thing is, Utah could have scored more if they wanted to. They you they pulled back a little bit in that second half, try to run the clock out. Well, they, they did. They only had eight possessions the entire game offensively.
3: Eight thirty-eight points on eight possessions is pretty pretty proficient.
2: Uh, it's it's dang good. Uh, we'll get into it. We'll kind of start breaking down the offense and the defense, uh, and special teams. Something to finally be happy about with special complete teams. game by the Utes. But man, how good does it feel to have the South wrapped up, locked up, and not have to stress about it the last week of the game, last week of the season. It's the last game of the season.
3: Or or you don't have to expect or hope for any help from somebody else. To, to knock off somebody to, to get us in it. So it's just just complete domination. Um, what a stretch these guys are on right now. I mean but that I mean that just caps it off and uh, what what a way, I mean what a night. That, that was a special night with all that occurred. Obviously beating number three team. Kyle Whittingham becomes the all-time winningest coach in Utah football history. Tavian Thomas sets a single season record for touchdowns in a season. You know, I mean, it was just uh, – you had the
2: gray Bodie uniforms that I – I mean, I, I, I've I, converted, guys. Scott's become a believer. Now, if I can just get you on the beehive, we'll be there. Uh, Ryan, how did you feel about the atmosphere in Rice-Echo Stadium? How, how electric and how fun was that as a fan?
0: Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, from the get-go, that was – I turned to Scott right before kickoff, and I said, this is the – fullest the stadium's been at kickoff in a long time and it was it was loud from the get-go and obviously the team played played on that and that that was a factor in 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 how they played Uh, but that place was so loud especially after the cubby punt return i mean that was insane
2: okay well what do you think's been the loudest moment in rice eccles Stadium. That Covey return or the Shelley touchdown against BYU in 2018?
3: Well, I think you got to factor in the end of uh, um, Oregon State game back in 2008. How the Utes came back. That place was yes. nuts at the end of that game. And then obviously TCU, same season in 2008. That final touchdown to downtown Freddie Brown. Those are kind of the four games um, that come to mind as far as just pandemonium, just absolute craziness at Rice Cycles. As far as far as the top moment, I don't know that that Covey that Covey one may be it.
0: I mean, all of those were great moments, and and some of those came at, in situations where they were, you know, game ceiling moments. Uh, like obviously the 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 one against USC with Kalen Clay, uh, you know, beat USC at the last moment, and and the downtown Freddie Brown beat uh, TCU in the final moments. This one this one had the makings of being over before that punt return uh, that really sealed the deal, and and that place was just not, and it was so awesome to be a part of.
3: I, I just, I just uh, during as I was going nuts. I mean, I was just jumping like a crazy person. But as I looked around the stadium, it just looked like the entire stadium was in chaos. There was just was movement everywhere, hands, arms going every which way. Just, I mean, it
2: was pandemonium. I think the thing that was crazy is is on that special teams punt return. As soon as Cubby turned that corner, you could see the wall was there, and he was he was going
3: well, Especially from where we were sitting in the north end zone, you got a perfect view of of how Utah was lined up and how many blockers. Because you are exactly right. As soon as he got to that corner, it was like, oh my gosh, he he's got a chance <laughs> because he had so many blockers just ready to create that line for him.
2: And a hey, credit to Coach Shaw getting the special teams. <laughs> I've always believed in him. <laughs> I'm still of
3: the belief Kyle took over special no, teams midweek. <laughs> I, I
2: there was a key moment in the fourth quarter when Utah's kicking that field goal. There was the the Oregon jumped offside, so there's a penalty. The holder ran over and was talking to Kyle
0: for like ten minutes.
2: Yeah, and then he runs back and he tells everyone on the line. I I'm guessing just fan over here i'm guessing had to do something with with their protection and maybe shifting what they what how they were blocking or if there there was a specific look they you know they made they may try something very true but i do think it's funny that he was talking to kyle for a half hour and and not shaw (laughs) but but hey hey i've always believed gotta go to the head of the snake guys (laughs)
3: But I'll tell you that just just that game overall is just it was it was something to behold.
2: Oh, Scott, <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> if you could only see Scott right now, everyone—he leaning back in his chair, and he's got some water in a mug. It's not just any mug. Oh, my
1: gosh. What is that?
3: It just happens to be an official ghost mug of the pottery scene.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm glad I'm on location.
3: <laughs> a shout-out to uh, you know a good friend of the program, Eric, who uh, was inspired by uh, one of the previous podcasts oh where uh, this scene – Made a made a, made an appearance. Just happened to go out and, and uh, made a little purchase for the uh, for us here at the podcast to
2: use during uh, during these podcasts. <laughs> okay, so I know it's it's kind of bad to do like visual stuff on a podcast, but it honestly is. Is it Patrick Swayze? Is that who that is? Yeah, and Demi Spain? Moore. Demi Moore doing the pottery scene on a. Okay, I. On a pottery wheel, making this, magic, guys. I gotta take, this will be on our social media. I, I'll, I'll post this on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, ah, that's beautiful. <laughs>
3: this, this, this scene takes <laughs> me back to Saturday night in Rice Eccles Stadium. And you're massaging. <laughs> t- takes me to my happy place. Oh, yeah, Covey. <laughs> 78 yards to the house, Cubby! Raise the pottery! I need more water over here. Take the
2: wheel, Kyle. <laughs> All right, I I needed step away. I need to collect my thoughts after after that. Um, let, let's let's take a break. We'll be right back. Thirty-eight to seven. All right, you fans, we are back. I sorry, I had to step away. Scott and his his pottery. I and sometimes I just can't. While I still have the chuckles over it. Uh, l- guys, let's jump into this offense. Utah has another efficient game um, offensively. Total yards of three hundred eighty-six yards. Uh, no turnovers. Eleven of fourteen on third down, which is a huge. I mean, you're gonna win pretty much every single game you play. If you go 11 of 14, and I think eight of those 11 first downs were on the ground. Uh, the passing game wasn't as, maybe as explosive as we have seen over the last couple of weeks. Cam Rising goes 10 of 18. But what I love about this this game and what I loved most about this offense that we saw is they just imposed their will on the ground. And even though Oregon was... At the beginning of the game, was very good at, at stopping Utah Utah's rushing attack. Utah stuck with it, and they found creative ways to try to get the running game going. You know, with some bootlegs, with some read options, um, with Cam Rising with with his feet. But this is another solid game from from Thomas. Twenty one carries, ninety four yards, three TDs. You get near the goal line, he's just a TD machine down there. Hats off to Ludwig play he called a very efficient clean game I thought for the Utes. Well yeah and it wasn't even a real exotic
3: game plan it was it was just straight up look we're gonna run the ball we're we think we're better at running the ball than you are at stopping it and I mean and, and which is kind of crazy because coming into this game Oregon was number one in the conference at stopping the run. And. That just goes to show where this offensive line has has gotten to over the course of the season as bad as they were early on in this season. Now they they are up there as one of the best not only in the in the conference but in the in the country as far as what they're able to do. Because as you watch that game, there wasn't a lot of crazy formations. We were in a running formation. It it felt like 70% of the time in that game. We weren't trying to really hide anything or or confuse Oregon. It was, hey, we're 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 gonna we're just gonna run the ball. See if you can stop it, and they couldn't early on. To your point, Cam, they were, but Ludwig did not go away from it. Just continued to get even if we were just gaining gaining one two yards, he stayed with it. Was able to supplement, you know, on some of those early third third and longs keep the drive going and that just softened that defense up to the point where
2: Tavian just took over and they they just couldn't stop him no and if you look at it, Oregon uh before that game going in they only allowed 117 yards uh, on, on the ground Utah they gave up what was it 208. 208 so almost Utah got almost 100 yards over what Oregon averages uh, on defense of what they give up. That is huge. Uh, another thing I love what Lugwood did was after the first touchdown by Utah uh, and really that drive had a lot to do with with Cam keeping that drive alive, alive with his legs. They kept a spy. Uh, they kept Sewell there spying on Cam so he couldn't escape the pocket and get yardage. Lugwood made adjustments off of that. Um, and I know that's maybe one thing that maybe we've harped on as a fan base over the years with Ludwig is is his inability to maybe change things up uh maybe get into vanilla but honestly from from an X's and O standpoint Utah outcoached Oregon in every aspect of the game.
3: Oh, yeah, and and it wasn't it wasn't particularly close. I mean, you you look at this Oregon team, right? S- so kind of in the back of everybody's mind when you think of Oregon, you still kind of think of Chip Kelly and And a spread team that has got lightning fast guys all over the field. they'll spread you out and they with their speed and their quick tempo, they just kind of hammer you. Well, Cristobal comes in and and his recruiting has been next level. I mean, the way he, the way Oregon recruits, they should be they should be in the playoff year in and year out with the way that they recruit. but but we saw it in 2019. They were they were a they were a very senior laden team, and they ha- they had they had a lot of experience on that team. And they in in that Pac twelve title game, they were the more physical team. They mm-hmm. took it to us offensively and defensively, and ultimately that's why they won that game fairly easily. But in this game, and what you've seen from Oregon really through the course of this season, they've had that really great performance at Ohio State, which put them on the map, and as and obviously put put them in on that trajectory to be number three in the country in the playoffs. Well, they're just, they're, they're not that physical team that I think Cristobal keeps telling everybody that they want to be. Cause Utah actually absolutely took it to them.
0: They are a physical team. They certainly didn't bring it this weekend. And I I think to, you know, to a certain extent from what we've seen over the past, several weeks, they really haven't been the Oregon that people are used to seeing. Um, and, and both sides of the ball this week, the line of scrimmage, Utah dominated both sides, and it wasn't even close. Going back to some of your earlier comments about Utah sticking with the run game just made me think about, I think it was the second possession. We, we kind of stalled out and had to, had to punt on our first possession. And second possession, we moved the ball down there and got uh, first and goal, and, and and didn't really get anything on first and second down. And then I don't know, from from my standpoint, when you know, I think you're I think we're on the ten yard line or nine yard line or something like that. You think third third and nine, and you got to think passing down in that situation. And what did we do? We ran it, and he picked up. The touchdown, and I think that's just the mindset that Utah came in with. Is we know we can push these guys around. This is our. This is. This is what we came to do, and we're going to do it. And from that point on, they they manhandled their defense.
3: Well, and going back to UCLA, right? UCLA, when we played them. They were right up there as, as one of the top rush defenses in the conference, not giving up much. And Utah ran it for two seventy one, down their throats, and and Kyle challenged the offensive line that day. That hey, we're going to go out and we're going to run the ball and we're going to run the lot. And 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 that offensive line and the running backs produced, and and you saw that again Saturday night. It was just this is our identity. We are going to run the ball. Because when we do
2: run the ball, we are extremely tough to beat. And they didn't panic. I think that's the the number one thing I'm taking away from this offense is it, it, it wasn't easy. It, it wasn't that they just kept getting you know, all these long touchdown throws just after touchdown throws. They had to put drives together. And nothing came easy for them, but they didn't panic. They they stayed within themselves. They stayed within this offense of, of what they wanted to do. And I think you know we as much as as we we bring this up and we talk about it cam rising has been such a big difference to this team since he's been inserted into, into the starting role
3: no and 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 the energy he's brought the almost the calmness that he's brought this unit overall as far as just how they perform now it's just they expect to score it, it's not okay can the offense do enough it's hey we're going to go out and we're going to lead this we're going to lead the team they want the ball first they want it they want to start the start the game with the ball cuz they want to go score and it's just a different mentality and i mean especially in this game cam rising i mean you look at his numbers 10 of 18 for 178 yards no touchdowns wasn't a spectacular game from him but Again, with the game plan that Utah came in and as effective as they were on the ground, they did not need him to throw the ball 35 times and throw for 300 because they were able to just run, and which helped obviously drain the clock. It did limit the, the amount of possessions that Oregon had. Um, but it was just key because getting a lead on this Oregon team, I think was, was the biggest factor. And if we play them again in the Pac-12 title game, will again be the most important factor is get a lead on them. Because if you get a lead on them, they can't just run the ball like they want to. Because what we did to them offensively and ran it down their throats, that's what they want to do to us. They're not going to throw the ball all over the field. They don't have a good enough quarterback to do that. They want to run the ball. And so all of a sudden they're down Fourteen points, twenty-one points, twenty-eight points coming in into the start of the second half. They had no choice but to th- throw the ball, and it's just it does not fit their personnel right now, or especially their quarterback. So that that I think was huge um, as far as just getting a lead and and taking it to Oregon and make them play a game that they weren't comfortable playing.
0: Yeah, you know, you, and you talk about how far the offensive line has come, and how dominant they've been over the last several games. But you, know, you have to include in that um, talk of the offensive line are the, is the blocking of the three tight ends. That 13 personnel that they throw out there is key to this running game. I don't know how I've, I've seen replays of certain certain play calls in this just this past game. And you see our tight ends just blocking guys out of the view of the camera and out of the back of the end zone. I mean, they're just locking up a guy and taking him and clearing a path for those running backs. It's unbelievable.
2: If you look at it, Thibodeau was taken out of this game. And, and a and, lot of that was Fotheringham.
0: Well, Fotheringham and, and
2: Kincaid. And, and Kincaid really dominating him. Did he even get a tackle? No, I no. I know he, he didn't get a sack. He didn't get a tackle for loss. But did he? I mean, you can look at the stats real quick. I mean, this was great podcasting, right?
0: He hey, he had a couple of tackles, but nothing significant, nothing that like you would expect a guy like him to have. So he well, had f-
3: he had seven total tackles, five solo, two
2: assisted, no sacks. And, and for someone who's projected to go number one or even top three in the NFL draft,
3: well, but I think that goes back to the game plan. Is is the way the way that the way that Andy Ledwood called this game? It kind of kept him out of it. They didn't allow a lot of possessions where Cam Rising's back there, and it's one-on-one with Thibodeau on the edge and allowing him to get around the corner and put pressure on him. And so Ludwig called a great game that really helped, obviously, the tackles and and the tight ends. But Thibodeau was getting looks from from a tight end and, and the tackle and was getting just a lot of looks, and then the offense running away from him. Where he had to be chasing the running back instead of the running back going towards him, so it was just overall it was just a great game plan, and then the execution by those tight ends, by the offensive line in general, just nullified his impact on the game. And 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 it wasn't just him. I mean, you you look across the board, there was just no there were no standouts from Oregon offensively or defensively on that game. Utah just dominated all aspects of it from start to finish.
2: Okay, so I know we we spent a lot of time talking about you know this rushing attack from Utah. I want to talk about this throwing game, Cam Rising. As as we said, ten of eighteen. Oh man, Rising! Yeah, buddy. I'm gonna get on that pottery wheel again. <laughs> Can I just say I love Utah's marketing with this? The video they put on social media, oh, it's the next level for playing "Bad Moon Rising" every time the offense goes out. Top notch.
3: Now it's just, it's just, it's just given, it's just given this fan base, this offense, the program, just some extra juice, man. I tell you, it's Cam's, Cam's next level, dude.
1: Yeah. And what I like about him is he, he he'll just do whatever he needs to do to, to win the game, but he's capable of going out and throwing for big numbers, but he knows the M.O. for this team right now is running the ball and then, you know, his play action when he needs it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And and I mean, you you look you look across the board. I mean, Brant Keithy he was kind of the star of the night offensively. Five receptions, 118 yards,
2: some huge receptions. Brant Keithy was the you know, the unsung hero of that game. He he didn't get a touchdown, so I I, mean, I totally get that. But when Utah needed big plays, who did they go to? Yeah, and and they went to Keithy.
3: He he was a stud. I mean, and Britton Covey was the only wide receiver on the, on the team that caught a ball, and he only had three for 36. So. Again, you know, it, wasn't, it was not a, just a prolific night through the air. Um, but again, just, just due to game plan and how effective the offensive uh, line was in, in running the ball, it didn't need to be. But, but I think if we see Oregon again in the Pac-12 title game, we're going to have to do more through the air. We're, we're, they, will not, they will
2: game plan differently to not allow us to run it down their throats like that. Oh, 100%. A hundred percent. I think what if it is is Oregon, and, and we'll get into that um, later on in in the podcast. But if it is Oregon, you can't go in the mentality that what worked in this game will work in next game. No, you have to change it up.
3: Oh, for sure. And and I, you know, obviously the coaching staffs going to know that. But there's going to be a lot of uh, just just the overall confidence level. If Utah does face Oregon again in the Pac-12 title game these guys are going to have a lot of confidence. It's not going to go in thinking, can we beat these guys? They're they're going to go in knowing how bad can we beat these guys. And so just the confidence level is huge. But you're right. there's Oregon's going to change some things up. They're going to adjust. And so Utah's going to have to adjust as well. And that's going to have to come through the passing game. And they're just going to have – I think they're going to have to do it more and they're going to have to be more effective in doing so.
1: And I was just going to say, I mean, I think that sets up well for Utah, though, because based on what happened in this game, Oregon hasn't they, they have to. They have no other nothing else they can do but prepare to stop the running game, which opens up the passing game. Right.
3: Right. And and I'll tell you, man, I hope Ludwig I hope he just throws the book at him. I hope you see five set wide receivers, you know, just spread the field, give them looks that they have n- they would not expect from Utah, because that's kind of what Oregon did to Utah in 2019. So in, in 2019, Herbert didn't run all that much, you know he he was he was he was playing from the pocket. He he was was throwing the ball and was not really that runner. Then they get to that Pac-12 title game and kind of unleashed him. Just said, "Hey, this is where we're at. Let's go. We need you now. We're not. We're not going to protect you anymore." And and I think that kind of ca- it caught Utah a little off guard with with the game plan it, utilizing Herbert running the ball. And I think, man, Ludwig's got to do something similar where we just we just keep keep them off guard as far as what we're going to do and again you, they essentially have two weeks to if it if it again if it is Oregon that we face in the Pac-12 title game they're going to essentially have two more weeks to put on so put in some more wrinkles and keep Oregon yeah, off no. balanced
1: yeah the funny thing I mean, you're absolutely right the funny thing is there's no guarantee it's Oregon i mean no, there's no, so much no. up in the air and and who knows how deflated this beatdown has made them i mean they they came into this knowing that they had a chance to be in the final four and that's gone. So what does that do to their
3: mentality? Well, and, and in just watching that game, wide receivers were not happy with the quarterback. No, oh, they, for sure. they, 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 you could tell they were visibly frustrated with some errant throws. They're just, they're, they're, th- there's, there does not seem to be a lot of maybe good chemistry going on right now in that program. And like you said, they're, one of their big dreams was just dashed, and how do they return? How do they bounce back? Going into a, a rivalry game with everything, basically their season on the line. Because you lose to Oregon State, n- now you don't even have a chance of the Pac-12 title. Rose Bowl's out the window. What what do these guys have left to play for, right? And so this 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 will be interesting to see how Oregon comes out. Do they come out on fire against Oregon State? Or do they kind of look like they're in a bit of a bit of a hangover? It'll be interesting to see. But and and again, Oregon State's playing well. They they beat 'em. They beat Oregon last year. They got the they got the ability to do it again. And um and and then we'll, you know, it it could shake out still a number of ways, um, depending on how that game goes. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, there's no guarantee that we see Oregon. But but at this point, Mentally, that's kind of what I'm prepping for because I still think they're the biggest challenge out of the three possible opponents that Utah faces.
2: Uh, so as we wrap up uh, looking at this offense, uh, there is one one kind of thing I want to throw out here. I know everyone is talking about the Covey uh, return, and rightfully so. I mean, we, we, we hashed that out. Uh, but the drive right before that, huge. I think was huge. Utah goes... Six plays 77 yards and a minute 30 that was huge to go 21 nothing uh and and putting up a, a drive right before that but that I think that drive going up 21 nothing really I think was for me the biggest kind of turning point in the game where I was like this is becoming a blowout well
3: well not not to mention I mean on the heels of that Oregon missed another field goal right so they had yes. a they had a chance to pull it to 14-3 and potentially go into halftime 14-3 only down 11 right if that happens and they get the ball coming out of halftime and then they ended up scoring on that on that first possession out of halftime so it could have been a four-point game out of halftime real quick and then you've got a a much different second half so so how things played out in those final 2 minutes of the second half or excuse me of the second quarter Define that game. And that's what won Utah that game. And so I think that's what us as Ute fans need to also remember and go, all right, things went really well in a very short period of time for Utah to put that game away. Had they not gone like that, and, and especially on a neutral field, without that environment of Rice-Eccles, that game could have gone very different. And so a rematch does not mean it's just another walk in the park, um, but yeah, to, to your point, Cam, that was a pivotal moment in that game to uh, to be able to go up and you know, heck, at that point, scoring a touchdown going into halftime, going up twenty-one nothing is like gr- is gravy at
2: that point. Not to mention you're scoring twice in two two minutes. Yes. Yeah, and I think the the, the big thing you said about the missed field goals, uh, their kicker Lewis, ten for ten on the year going into the game, had not missed all season long. Uh, so your point, Scott. Think things could change in a, in, a, in a heartbeat. I think it could have been very different going into
3: that. Well, the well done, Rice Eccles. I don't think he was. I don't think he enjoyed uh, kicking
2: in that atmosphere. All right, we're up against it. Let's take a break. When we come back. Let's jump in the defense.
1: All
2: right, we're back from break, and we had to say goodbye to Ryan. He's he's out traveling. The dude's never here. I swear, I swear, he's always up to something. But appreciate Ryan, you know, jumping on and spending a couple minutes with us uh, as we talk Utah, Oregon. Uh, you know, some big things, big awards this week for Utah: Covey, special teams player of the week, Junior Tafuna, defensive player of the week. Yeah. Coming on, man! He is coming on strong.
3: As is the really, freshman, really the, the freshman on that D line right now. I mean, you you got Van Pillinger and and Akili Viamahi. I mean, those 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 are three freshmen starting on the on the defensive line right now, and just
2: dominated a good Oregon team. Well, and we saw Ellis getting yeah reps early uh, on that first drive. He chased Brown. Um, into the and uh, out of bounds, uh, preventing from the first down.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, he I'll, uh, a lot of young talent across the board that are making impactful plays. I mean, it, we haven't even seen Xavier Carleton in a few games. So again, is it injury? What's going on there? You know, we're not getting any any word out of the program. But again, there's another freshman that was making an impact early on in the season and 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 ultimately will still be a, a big part of the plans in in the future of that defense but
2: I'll tell you man freshmen growing up right before our eyes exactly I mean, and it look at a guy like Devin Kafusi who upperclassmen uh came on strong uh, towards the end of of last season and I mean he's still getting reps but the youth and and the talent that's that's in this program in that youth is is exciting and and to see it really transforming before our own eyes. Hands down this was the best performance by the defense all season long. Oh, just just a complete
3: performance. Yeah. And and you know, credit to Morgan Scalley and that defensive coaching staff because also the game plan was really really good. 100%. You know, they and 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 you can have a great game plan, but if 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 it can't be executed by the players You know, it kind of goes out the window. And so, overall, I mean, just a great effort. Morgan putting a great scheme in place to kind of just keep Oregon off balance all night long. And then the team, I mean, they were just solid. A couple breakdowns here and there. You know, they gave up. I mean, let's see, Oregon only had, they were 6 of 14 on third down conversions. And of those 6 conversions, 3 of them were quite long. There was a 3rd and 16 in there, a 3rd and 9. and I even think there's a 3rd and 12 um, that they did convert, and yet they still were only 6 of 14 on the night. And so, you know, there were moments where we kind of gave them some life and and extended some drives. But, I mean, come on, let's be honest. I mean, there's nothing to complain about in that game because those guys were 3rd in the country,
2: and you still just absolutely hammered them. And, and I think the thing that does excite me about it is because there were those mental errors, I want to call it out, right? There was a couple of those passes, especially on that touchdown for Oregon, where uh, Clark Phillips maybe was jumping a route, uh, maybe thought he had help over the top. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm Monday quarterbacking this thing, uh, but his guy gets released wide open in the end zone. Uh, just those mental mistakes where it, it's, They're never good to have, but if you're going to have them, it's great to have them in a blowout, because now it's on tape. You know, they're not Morgan Scally isn't going to let him let that down. They're they're going to challenge him on that, even though it was a blowout. Uh, So even though they did they did dominate, there are still things they can fix and still things they can get better. Uh, I think for me the the number one thing I love what this defense did going in the game. Oregon was the third best rushing team in the country, averaging 232 yards a game. Only two teams rush rush more than them per game, Air Force and Army. The two teams, that's all they do, right? Air Force and Army can go a whole game and maybe throw two balls. The fact that Oregon averages 232 yards on the ground, and they only come away with what? Sixty three. 63, Sixty-three yards against Utah.
3: Unbelievable. I mean, I that that's the stat that I would not have believed. No. After this game was being over, that they would have only rushed for 63 yards. I mean, that's that is their bread and butter, as you just mentioned. And they're good. That's that's how they've put teams away. That's that's you know, that that's how they have just been so effective all year long. It's not through the passing game. It's what they're able to do on the ground. And and obviously they did lose their starter um, about what about a month ago? But but Travis Dye has been dying absolutely dynamic since. Dye is a special player. And and he did absolutely nothing in that game. I mean, what this defensive line did is just it's borderline nuts. I mean, Travis Dye ended up six attempts. The fact that he only had six attempts it kind of makes me question uh,
2: somewhat that coaching staff. Well, it seems like they abandoned the run pretty quick. Well, I mean, if you're down twenty-eight nothing, you kind of have I, to. Yeah, but I think even when they got down fourteen nothing, they kind of well, abandoned
3: it. Even early in the game, they weren't going to die all that much. I mean, six attempts, twenty-nine yards, and he—he's your most dynamic player on offense. And for him to for him to only do that, it's it's pretty mind blowing. Credit to this defensive line, but again, you look af- you look forward to the title game. If it is Oregon, die's not going to do that, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not going to happen twice. We're not going to completely just shut these guys down two times in eleven days. You're going to see a better effort out of Oregon if we see them again. But but I'll tell you, I just I just can't get over the confidence level
2: that that game brought brought these guys. Well, and honestly, if you looked at their body language, so we we sit in the north, right after halftime, Oregon came down to our end zone to kind of do their, their warm-ups after halftime. You could tell by their body language, they were checked out. Yeah. I remember leaning over to Ryan, and I said, they're done. Like, And I was even surprised that they put that drive together to score that touchdown. Well, e-
3: even after that drive, they didn't have any juice. No. It wasn't like it sparked them, and they thought you know they could make a run here. It just, it just, uh, they they just didn't have that belief, and 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 a lot of part of that is is obviously due to the play of
2: Utah and not allowing them to really get going. And 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 I think that goes back to the point you were making, Scott. Is what does Oregon do if they if they were like that in the game and defeated like that when it was only halftime? How do they come out against Oregon State? And if they get that win, how do they come out against? Utah in the Pac-12 game.
3: Well, I'll tell you, if 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 they're able to beat Oregon State, they will be jacked up for that title game because they were embarrassed. We took we took their playoff hopes and stomped on them right there in front of them. That that's got to be embarrassing for them, and and just I mean just the competitive nature that all these guys have, they're going to be pissed. They're going to be ready. They're going to be ready for Utah's game. I remember thinking that in the game, like. All we've done here is just upset these guys. <laughs> and so you're gonna get a better effort out of them if if you see them again. There's no doubt in my mind. But is a better effort good enough still? That's that's where I'm I, I'm wondering. And this time last week, that was not my thought process. Mm-hmm. My thought process, I mean, I picked against the Utes in this podcast <laughs> a week ago. You know, I, I picked a close game. Um, but I, I thought it would be a close game with Oregon edging it out. And, and I think if, if we see them again, that's going to be the closer, I think, outcome. It's going to be a close game in that title game. Because they just have so much talent. Unless they just completely mentally are just checked out, they have a lot of talent. And and they can they can score in bunches if they get hot. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I'm I am really as much as I'm excited to to watch Utah play Colorado Friday afternoon. I am
2: really excited to watch that Oregon Oregon State game. Most definitely. Uh, before uh, we hang up on the defense, another great game. Cole Bishop just coming up huge. Had the block punt or blocked field goal. Uh, Two
3: pass breakups. The a,
2: a beast. And I think Kyle Winningham talked about it after after the game. He was injured in the offseason. And so coming into the season, it, it was a little slow going because he was recovering from that injury. Uh, but just credit to this this young freshman that gets thrown in to a, a Pac-12 South championship race and... And he has rise to the to the level of expectation. and Devin Lloyd talked about him after the game how he's in the film room, uh, Cole Bishop, he's in the film room at night, way past everybody else. And I, that's what I you want to see that. out
3: of that's what you want to see out of these guys, right? Because they're putting the time in so that on Saturdays they're successful, right So that they're ready to go. And, 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 and when you see a young player who's willing to do those types of things, then they're rewarded on game days Mm -hmm. because they're putting in that extra effort. And I'll tell you, I mean, that's, those are the types of guys you just love to see within your program that are not just relying on their physical and, and uh, their, their talent level to go out there and get the job done. They're putting time in on all aspects to make themselves a better, a better player. And, I mean, yeah, the, the sky's the limit for him. Whether he ends up, stays at safety or linebacker, he's going to be a force on that defense for years to come.
2: Well, and I think it also shows that this team doesn't take anything for granted. Um, that they know that while they were had a, a two-game lead in the South, they still had work they they needed to get done. And I think that the kind of the challenges that they had pre-conference, uh, the, the terrible... Uh, loss of Aaron Lowe I has really grounded this team into if it is Oregon or Washington State in the Pac-12 championship game teams that they have beaten they're not going to overlook them they're not going to rest on their laurels because they've already beat them before
1: all right well, let's
2: jump into special teams I uh, we talked about Covey his his, his return but hey Utah punted twice, <laughs> and they were clean. And, and they were clean? They, they weren't scary? I mean... I was holding my breath on both of them, I'm not
3: going to lie. Uh, but, I mean, there wasn't like a pass rush in, yes. in his
2: face. Oh, no, I was holding my breath before the snap. Oh, for sure, say.
3: for sure. And and then obviously, as you just mentioned, Cole Bishop with that huge uh, block for the first f- uh, field goal attempt from Oregon, and then the Covey return. I mean, just overall, a clean, just... Just performance from that special teams. And I'll tell you, it's probably been a season and a half, maybe a full two seasons since we've had a performance like that from the special teams. They've been struggling. And and it's been well documented, right, that uh, just all aspects of special teams have not been great. And it's it's been a constant one area or another of special teams this entire year from a rotation of kickers, a rotation of punters, to kick off returns against this against special teams, and just not getting any juice out of it to really putting an absolute great performance together Saturday. Credit to Coach Shaw um, or Kyle Whittingham who if if he was involved in that, which I I still think he was, <laughs> he the, his fingerprints seemed to be all over oh, that special teams unit on on Saturday. And uh, hey, if that's the case, let's keep it going because. That's what you're going to need over these final two to three games, is good, clean special teams play.
2: Uh, definitely, I know. You know, last week we talked about how uh, this defense needed to step up on on occasions because they the offense would need that help from the defense. Uh, I think the special teams really stood up and helped that defense. When Oregon was able to move the ball, they got zero points. And I think a lot of the, the block field goal, and I think they kind of got in the kicker's head after that.
3: Oh no, the no dude doubt was
2: hundred percent on the year. Yeah,
3: he just he just that second one just flat pushed.
2: So, a, a, big ups to special teams, Coach Shaw. Never doubted it. <laughs> never doubted it. All right, that that will kind of do it for this Utah Oregon game. Uh, When we come back from a break, let's start jumping into some Utah, Colorado and looking ahead to a Pac-12 championship game. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Utah takes on the Colorado Buffs uh, this week. A Friday game, Friday afternoon game. I'll admit, Scott, I don't like that. It's going a, a weird. a fan. Uh, I know when we first came into the conference that they kind of had Colorado and Utah play that Friday after Thanksgiving game, uh, and then for a couple years they moved it to Saturday, and and I like that. I, I think I like the Saturday games better than a Friday afternoon game. Uh, it, I don't know. I and also I've I've always kind of felt that the home team is at a disadvantage because Thursday you have Thanksgiving, you're at home whereas the traveling team doesn't really get to celebrate Thanksgiving. So they're more mindset in the game. All that being said, though, I love that Utah has everything buttoned up. This game is really is meaningless for for standings. And how, how would it be to have a team play meaningless games in November?
3: I don't know. I, I, I do know there's quite a bit, a lot of fans in this market that could probably answer that for you. Um, but I'm not one of them. But from my perspective, here, here, let me tell you where I think you're wrong, Cam. Okay, okay, preach, preach. I love that this game is on Friday. Really? I love it, especially this year because the following Friday we're playing in the Pac-12 title game. gives it gives this team one extra day to prepare. Oregon doesn't get that. Oregon plays Saturday. Um, and Oregon State. Now, Washington, Washington State, they play. They do play Friday as well. So depending on if, if Washington State ends up being the Utah's opponent in the Pac-12 title game, that's kind of a wash. But ultimately, I like it. It's a day early. Um, and, it, and you're right, it is a meaningless game. But it can't be meaningless to the point where Utah puts an Arizona performance out there together. Because all the goodwill, all the momentum, all the confidence that this team just got on Saturday night from beating and destroying a good Oregon team like they did, you can't follow it up with a flop. What that would do for Utah's rankings would would, would be pretty detrimental. And if, if you're worried about the rankings, which is a part of all of this, especially yes. if Utah is going to be going to the Rose Bowl. And uh, and just overall, this run that Utah's on, you just you just can't lose to a bad Colorado team, especially at home. Even if it's meaningless, even if maybe I don't know, Kyle might rest some, a few certain players just uh, in preparation for the title game. The guys that are out there playing, you got to take care, of, uh, take care of business, and they got to put the hammer down to Colorado right from the start. This game hopefully is over at halftime, where
2: then you can rest your starters the entire second half. So with this Colorado team, I mean they they don't really have anything to play for. They're four and seven on the year. They're not going bowling. They can't upset Utah's chances to anything, so they can't really spoil that. Colorado, to me, has just been really weird this season. They had that game against A and M where they led almost the entire game. Uh, they ended up losing ten to seven, and then they follow up with going. 30, 38 to zero against Minnesota. Uh the probably their, their only good win on the year is against Oregon State, which they beat 37 and 34, which how did they beat Oregon State? I I don't know. But for a team that, that averages less than 20 points a game, you need to put them away early. So then you can rest your players.
3: Yeah, and and you know, again, I, I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say I've watched a lot of Colorado games this year because I haven't, but what I have seen a little bit of it seems like over the last month, they have gotten better. They're starting to put more points up on the board. They put some better performances together. But again, they're still just not a good team. This is not a team you just should should uh, really play with. Just put them out of their misery early. Set your sights for the Pac-12 title game, and you go from there. And I mean, I don't even know that it's worth breaking down what Colorado does well because this game it's kind of (laughs) let's be honest it's meaningless yes take care
2: of your business let's go i I, for me this is just like the arizona game where oh i think it's way less important than the arizona game i'm not talking about like significance of the game but i think for me as as a fan that's how i am approaching this game and and whereas i just hope utah gets the win and with no injuries that that's really if, if utah can just get this win and come out healthy to me that's the most important thing
3: okay, so with that with that thought,
2: does Kyle arrest guys? I don't think he does. Uh, maybe if there are guys that are on the fence whether they could go, maybe you arrest those uh, Thomas to me didn't seem like full form Thomas against Oregon. And what, what I mean by that is he had to take a couple breaks throughout the game. Uh, he, he ran well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking him. Not knocking his performance. Uh, but, you know, he was held out the week before for precautionary reasons. If he's not 100%, if he's about 70%, I, I think you hold him back.
3: Yeah, he, he's one I would not be surprised if you don't seek him Friday afternoon. Um. I think Devin Lloyd's going to be out there, but again, he's one of those guys. I think maybe you just say, "Hey, watch this one from the sidelines, and let's let's get ready. Uh, let's get ready for a week from now." Really? I I do. I do. And now, whether he would do that, I don't know. You know, he may say, "No, coach, I want to play," and and kudos to him. Yeah. Right, but again, this is just one of those. It
2: is a meaningless game, so you don't want. You just don't want to see something like that. And knock on wood. There's no targetings in the second half, right? And and maybe that's why you want to hold out. Maybe with the Devin Lloyd, you let him play a couple series in that first half, and and then sit him. Yeah.
3: And uh, I mean, ultimately, again, that's where I just think it's important get off to a quick start. Let's let's just. End the game early. and the game in quit. the first
2: half. Make them quit in the first and, quarter.
3: And all your starters can uh, can cheer on uh, second and third stringers the rest of the way, and and kind of go from there. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what Cal does. Um, but it it should. I think I think you're going to see very
2: little from all your starters. All right, let's jump in this Pac-12 championship game. Uh, so I, I think everyone knows the scenarios out there, but we'll just kind of recap it. Oregon. They control their own destiny. They don't need any help from anybody. If they win, they're in. Oregon State, they need to beat Oregon and then also have Washington State lose. Which probably is not going to (laughs) happen. If Washington State can get in, if they beat Washington, and if Oregon loses. Right. I think, okay, so out of those three, who do you want to see? A part of me kind of wants to see Oregon State again, uh, because that's the, the that's the one conference team that, that did beat Utah, so I'd love to see that again. Uh, but as a college football fan, I I'm almost pulling for Washington State, My, mainly just because of their season of what they have had to go through with their coaching changes, and really for a team that. Is what, like six and five on the year to be able to win the North would just kind of be ridiculous. It'd be so fitting for the Pac
3: 12, right? That a team yeah. that doesn't have their coach ends up playing for the Pac-12 title when they really didn't have a spectacular year. But here's my tape. Oregon State is the least the least likely, but it's the opponent I want to see the least because they kind of scare me. They they were potent against us, um, and I I I don't know that I I would love in some aspects a revenge towards them because I think we'd put a much better performance together against them. I don't want to risk it. Where I'm coming from on this, the only thing I care about is hanging a banner in Rice Eccles next year that says Pac-12 champions. Give me the path of least resistance. I don't care about beating the best we we just beat the best. Give us the easiest <laughs> path and to me is Washington State. Now maybe uh, you know pac is weird. Maybe I'll regret saying that. But at this point, I would rather face Washington State in that Pac-12
2: title game than Oregon and Oregon State. Uh, you can't disagree with that. I mean all it, that's why I think it's kind of ridiculous that Washington state is even in oh, the yeah. discussion. Oh yeah. It's
3: ridiculous. And and again, Oregon state, come on baby, have a good have a good rivalry game this Saturday. Beat the Ducks. Washington state, take care of business. There's there's no reason whatsoever Washington state should lose to to UW. UW's awful. But every year UW beats them. So it's going to be in they almost have to get over some of their own demons. Even even though Washington is awful, can they still beat them? That's that's gonna be the ultimate decider there. And so I'll tell you, this weekend's gonna be fun uh, for Ute fans. Obviously, Utah, Colorado, but seeing kind of what happens in those two rivalry games will be a lot
2: of fun to watch. All right, let's let's go ahead and and give our picks for the Utah Colorado game right now as we are recording this. Utah is a twenty. Three and a half point favorite over the Buffs, Scott. Please tell me you're taking the Buffs because you took <laughs> Oregon and Utah won. Who'd yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. You can't. I'm I'm all
3: for I'm all for sacrificing myself for the good of the <laughs> Utes. I will do that every day of the week. But I don't think it needs to happen against Colorado. I think Utes win big. Um, I don't think I don't think the Utes are going to put you know a ton of points up on the board just due to the circumstances. I'm going to go uh,
2: 35-10 Utah. I'm right there with you. I I think hopefully Utah puts this game away early. Backups come in, and then they just kind of start draining the clock. I got Utah 31, uh, Colorado
3: 7. One thing I will say about this game is it's a Friday game, not everybody has work off. It is during the day, 2 o'clock. So it'll be interesting to kind of see crowd-wise kind of how it is, right? There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be recognized. Um, it is senior night. So you're going to have your seniors who are are done. Um, they're going to be getting recognized. And Kyle mentioned today there could be anywhere from seven to eight j- juniors who won't be back next year. I think we can uh, think off the top of our head who probably most of those guys are um, that either may just be calling it quits or will be drafted into the NFL next year. And uh, so there's going to be a lot of guys um, who have made a big impact on this program and are currently make still making a big impact on this program to recognize. So it'd be awesome if, if uh, fans are there a little before kickoff to recognize uh, – these seniors and
2: all that they've done. Scott, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, find me at UteMan underscore forever. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at UtahManPodcast at our home, UtahManPodcast.com. And if you listen to a podcast, we are there. And we hope everyone has a safe and fun Thanksgiving. Hopefully Utah gets a big win over Colorado and next week, we're talking Utes in the Pac-12 championship game in
3: Vegas, baby. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be I die.
1: We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast
2: are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.